Then I started to realize it's not about the money and it is not about winning. It's about the impact you have on others. And I caught myself not really enjoying writing the specific loan, but watching other people write loans that I had impact on and watching them be super excited. Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey, welcome back to the Accelerated Investor Podcast. I appreciate you being with us today. Uh, I'm really excited to be with you and share some more ideas and strategies about investing in real estate, just advancing your entrepreneurial journey, uh, being more successful, and being a bigger, better version of yourself. So whether you're catching this in the gym or out on a walk or in your car, I want to congratulate you for taking the time out, for being here, whether you're catching this on YouTube and you're watching. Thanks for being here. And as you know, I love to do interviews and and, and episodes basically for my own self, uh, self-advancement, my own self-reasons. And love to have guests and friends and family and different people have have impacts in my businesses or in my life on the show uh, and, you know, kind of learn more about them and what they're doing and then hopefully pass all of that information along to you to help you advance in your journey. Uh, Today, my guest is Tyler Brummett. He is the vice president of business development for Freeland Ventures for our private equity fund. And uh, Tyler has an amazing uh, short because he's very young, but a really amazing journey that he's already begun. So Tyler already owns 40 uh, investment properties. He's a very successful mortgage banker from Quicken Loans. It was there for six or seven years, uh, ran one of their best uh, sales teams and sales units, um, and was responsible for recruiting, retaining, and training uh, a, a massive unit of, of bankers and business development people at Quicken Loans. Uh, he was. We were able to successfully steal him away from Quicken, and uh, Tyler's been basically running two businesses, if not more. We'll learn more about him as we go. But uh, his business uh, at Quicken Loans of building their mortgage uh, team, and then also his business of actually investing and flipping properties. Today at Freeland, he's been tasked with basically building out our sales team, continuing to do new business development for fix and flip loans, rental loans, long-term rental loans, small balance commercial, and of course, raising capital and investing in some massive apartments. Tyler was also recognized by uh, Cranes Magazine, Cranes Cleveland Business Magazine, uh, as a top 20 young professional. Uh, It was called uh, top 20 in their 20s. 
Um, so out of all the people in Northeast Ohio that Cranes covers, uh, Tyler was selected and interviewed and featured by Cranes Cleveland Business Magazine. So Tyler Brummett, what's going on, man? How are you? What's going on, Josh? Thanks for jumping on, man. I know you're just down the hall shaking and baking. Yeah. Closing loans. One meeting, one meeting to another meeting. You know, it's the story of our lives. Yeah, for sure. For We're sure. Planning and building things. So We are. Uh, Tyler is still relatively new with us, been with us for about 60 days. 60 days. And so he's really been taking time to kind of figure out what's what do we have? What do we have that's already baking, that's already in the oven and working, and what's half-baked? And we're cleaning up software and really building the foundation, the platform, in order to add more business development reps, close more loans. And uh, and that's our core business, right, is, is, is closing loans, small balance commercial, being a private lender, um, our core sort of transactional business, if you will. Mm-hmm. And as we build that out, we're continuing to focus on buying more assets, which is we, you know, we already own about 2,200 units of apartments. Tyler owns a bunch of rental properties uh, of his own, and that's that's also in the works as far as building that out. Tyler is going to be a, be a big piece of that. So, Tyler, just tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Give us some more foundation, some more color about your experience jumping in as a mortgage banker, what it was like to be new and to be selling and to be working late and working lots of hours, and at the same exact time uh, be building your real estate investment business. And where does all that motivation and drive come from for you? Because there's a lot of guys your age who are still goofing off a lot right. and not not making things happen at the level that you are. Right. So I, it starts at a young age. Um, at a very young age, my parents were you know separated and I live with my mom. And, and one thing that I saw as a young kid was my mom was always working. Um, she worked in a factory. She worked at a uh, tanning bed salon. And then she ran her own landscaping business. And I was right around riding with her. I remember going to, nice. you know, to the laundromat and, you know, washing towels. And I was working with my mom. So at a very young age, I was just raised with, hey, the value of a dollar means this. And you got to work for your money. Um, and, and nothing's, you know, given or it, you have to earn it. So um, at a very young age, I think my mom set the foundation very well. Um, now, you know, I did sports all through school, um, was a wrestler, did a little bit of boxing as well. So the discipline and um, the respect was also implanted right, in right. my head at a very young age. I used to have a mouth as a kid. Um, and then and I, I've been put in my place many times and, and it developed me to who I am today. And then um, from there, you know, went to school. Uh, all through school, I was a car salesman. So I was a car salesman. And then I actually was looking to get promoted to a finance manager. And at that time, didn't see eye to eye with, with, with my manager at the time. And um, my girlfriend worked at Quicken Loans as an intern. He knew you were gunning for his job probably. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Now he's calling me asking for one. Yeah. Um, but so I, uh, my girlfriend was working for Quicken Loans. Hey, you should try working here, you know? And I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah. She's like, you can make good money. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. Well, that argument happened and I applied. Never told my girlfriend I applied because I don't want her to be like, hey, I got you the job, you know? Yeah. Everything's earned, you know? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, applied, got the job, and and I realized the value that, that and the motivation internally that I had. Um, my first month, I hit the floor. I think I wrote like 37 loans. Um, it was like, like 7 or $8 million. I was a leading banker. Then I started to realize it's not about the money, and it's, it's not about winning. It's about the impact you have on others. And I caught myself not really enjoying writing the specific loan, but watching other people write loans that I had impact on and watching them be super excited. So from there, um, I realized I liked leading people. And then I was just in a, I think it was like 12 to 
13 or 14 months. I was part of the director of mortgage banking. I was the youngest director for working for the Fortune 500 company. Um, and I was, my tenure there was 12 months. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't big. So I took a team over. At that time, I had so much adversity. I'm the young guy. I've only been here for 12 months. Doesn't know what he's doing. No one liked me to, yeah. just, to put it out there. Plus no you one, have a mouth on you. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and the confidence factor. So, um, but that was only a short amount of time. And then people really started to see the respect. And then I built a team, multiple teams, um, you know, to where we were doing about 80 to $90 million just in originations a month ran by me. And then we, we, you know, we got into a new office and I took on more responsibility. Um, was in charge of maybe around 100 people where um, I worked right on side with my RVP and just really started to, you know, build a, a pipeline. And, and I really got the knowledge from doing that. And, uh, yeah, and then I kind of just built, uh, you know, built a really good team. And it was a little under eight years I was there. So when I'm somewhere, I'm very dedicated. I'm very, very loyal. And that, again, that comes back to how I was raised. Yeah. And I think so. If you're here sh- for a very short time, I, I screwed something up yeah. royally. Yeah, that won't happen. But <laughs> um, it, but it also leaked, uh, you know, fluid out with my my team too. I had really good retention. Um, no one, yeah. you know, people stayed with me at a very high turnover company, quick loans, people stayed with me, which is why my, one of my top bankers is now working for us. Julie, yeah. She's working here with us because they follow, you know, when you, when you do right things and you teach people the right things to do and you show them how you do it, you empower people. That's the biggest thing is really learning that you can't do it all and you have to empower people. That's when, um, really took my business to the next level because it shows trust. Yeah. And when yeah. you trust, you can scale. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. Business is all about people, right? It's all about, we say it all the time, the business of business is people. Absolutely. That's the only way. I mean, there's certainly businesses that run with robots, but most businesses don't. Right. Not yet. Exactly. Um, when when robots can write loans and invest in real estate, we'll right. we'll all be out of a job and I don't, we'll be working for the robots. But um, so all while you're doing that, so you also started investing in real estate. So you started in mortgage lending when you were basically 20, 21 years old, yeah. and then real estate as an investor shortly after that. Um, first of all, for those people that think like they don't have enough time to oh. do multiple things, um, talk a little bit to that. Like, how do you make time? How do you plan to make time to have a successful mortgage banking career, doing really well at a very young age, and investing in real estate? So start with that. Like, how did you think? Like, I got to make time in addition to banking to to start doing some of my own deals. Yeah. So I think it comes down to getting out of your own way and realizing you can't do everything on your own unless I'm a very calculated individual. Um, like I'm looking at your calendar right now and I, and I love that because everything's calculated out, right? Sure, yeah. So like when I say when I wake up in the morning from the time I'm putting my shoes on to I'm getting my coffee at the same place I buy it every morning to getting into work 
to literally everything is scheduled out of my day to pick up my dry clean, to pick do grocery shopping, to remind me to call my mom during the day, right? Yeah. I everything I do is calculated, right? So that's my 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 youngness coming out a little bit there. Sure, but, yeah. Um, I talk to my mom all the time too, right? man. So I'm considered um, an old man now. I'm 43 with gray hair. I still talk to mom like probably seven, probably five to seven times a week. Yeah. Right. So um, how did how did I start investing in real estate and how did I find time to do it is. I did this exercise um, with my team and they're all, when you're, when you're new at anything, it's always, you're overwhelmed. You have so much pressure and you just feel like there's not enough time in the day. And I've been there millions of times. I'm actually there right now, right? It happens all the time and I love it. And I realized I love that. But then I started to run this exercise where I had my entire team for 12 hours that we're at work, every 30 to 40 minutes, write down what they're doing, Right. So then at the end of the day, they realized what they were doing throughout the day could actually, they could do it all in about three to four hours. But it was how they were organizing their day. It was how long it was taking them to do things. And a lot of the time they thought they were actually working and doing stuff when they were just working on the same thing when you could have pivoted and moved on to something else and then came back to that task later. So after I figured out how to maximize my days, then I was, I found myself at the end of the day being like, all right, it's like five, six o'clock, I got some time. And then I'm like, I, I, my girlfriend was like, we should probably buy a house. Like you, you're giving loans to people, but you don't even own yeah. a house. So I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm not ready for that. But then I bought a house, right? I was so excited about this house in, in, in Lakewood, a little suburb of Cleveland here. And I remember it clearly bought this house and I'm, uh, I want to say I'm an emotional buyer, but I buy on the spot. And, and I know when I see something, I know I want it, I go and do it. And my girlfriend's the complete opposite. She was actually the emotional buyer on this house, and I was the one that didn't want to buy it. I'm like, whatever, we'll, we'll go ahead and buy it. So bought this house. We're getting ready to move in. Everything's going well. Picked up the keys from not the real estate agent, the owner of the property, which happened to be an attorney as well. So I th- you can trust this guy, yeah, I thought. Right. Well, he's like, yes, need you to sign this piece of paper, which will you know allow you to me to release the keys from you. No problem. Sign the piece of paper. Um, you know, at this time I moved out of, from downtown and I moved to my girlfriend's apartment because we had all of our stuff there, got a moving trucks, whole family's getting excited. I'm like, yeah, we're moving to our our first house. It's probably about six, seven years ago. And I pull in the driveway, driveway's full of cars. I'm like, what's going on here? There's a, there's a picnic in the backyard. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) It was a duplex. Both units were occupied by tenants. And that piece of paper that I signed was saying that I was inheriting those leases when in fact, during the purchase agreement, the owner was supposed to get the tenants out and take responsibility for that. So now we have no place to live besides the box truck that had all of our stuff in it. Um, had no plan. They just re-signed year leases. So for me to get them out, I had to spend a ton of money to buy their leases out. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, came to a conclusion. We fixed the issue. But at that point for me... I was like, wow, that guy lied to me right to my face. And that's when it triggered for me that there needs to be good people in the real estate industry. And that's why I got into it. Because I want to make sure, one, that I can stop that from happening and mm-hmm. point these guys out left and right. And really, it, it catapulted my confidence and it catapulted like my desire for for real estate. And that's how I started. And ever since then, I bought a house every other month since then. Nice. So, yeah, fantastic. That's how it's worked. And then back- the other deals worked out a little bit better yeah a little bit better <laughs> and my girlfriend actually became a real estate agent because of that okay, so it's nice. like it's like a real little like a dual you know type of thing so um 
yeah, I mean, there's always issues with deals. I mean, you know that, Josh. But that was the that was one where I literally had to park the truck and I sat on the curb. I'm like, I'm homeless for the first time in my life. I am literally homeless. And I had to get an Airbnb and all that type of stuff. But for a week, I was like, you know, couch surfing and, you know, yeah. like it, it was, you know, living out, having like one suitcase with two suits in it, you know, yeah. and it was a, it was a joke, but it was, uh, it was also very, it taught me a lot. Sure. Adversity is where you learn the most, right? Exactly. So, um, so tell us a little bit more about your sort of money making strategy in real estate. Now, are you primarily like a buy and hold investor flipping some properties? Yeah. Tell our audience a little bit more about your strategy. So it all started from me being, a mortgage banker and running a, a lending team because when you originate a loan, it's a one-time thing, right? The next day you got to wake up and you got to find another one, right? And I like that, but it gets challenging sometimes, right? So then I was like, what can I do, you know, that I can buy one time or do a deal one time, but have you pay me every single month after? So the first house I bought turned into my rental property, turned into my most lucrative purchase in the last at that time probably for the next two to three years the most lucrative and i'm a buy and holder so i buy and i hold i buy i don't really do single families i do duplexes all the way up until you know apartment buildings but i also fix and flip as well because i think the knowledge that you learn from fix and flipping really helps you scale on the rental side because you learn the material you know what it comes into renovating a house Mm -hmm. Um, i don't buy anything that's already renovated everything i buy is ugly you know, dilapidated. I want my guys to go in there, renovate it. I want to harden the property. I want to make sure it's durable because again, I care about the people that I rent to. So I want them to be able to live and do, you know, in a house that's actually a good house. And if you put the money into it that needs to be done the right way, it just lasts longer. Fantastic. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on, so you've had a lot of success. You've made a lot of money as a banker, built successful teams that like doing mortgage banking on your own is one job or one project Mm -hmm. building teams and building your whole team of mortgage bankers another type of project investing in real estate is a different type of project you've had success at all three is there one or two or three things that you think stand out that besides your mom instilling like the work ethic in you and the value of a dollar are there other things that stand out that you think have allowed you to have success in two or three things simultaneously is it work ethic? Is it working long hours? Is it being organized? Is it is it just drive? I mean, the one thing you can't teach people is motivation. People are either motivated or they're not. Um, so what are your thoughts around, because a lot of your success is built off of other people's success now, especially that you're in a management type of role with us and all your other previous things. So what do you think? What what do you think of some of the characteristics of some of the successful things that you've done? Is there a theme that you've seen over and over? Absolutely. So all the way back to when I was just my first job, you know, out of college, being originator. Um, so and it's it's funny. All businesses are typically ran the same. So when you when I was originator, I was crushing it, doing very very well, writing a lot of loans. Then I found out I liked you know watching, developing, and helping other people. Then I also realized six months from then. There's more money getting made as I'm managing more people, you know. So as I realize I'm empowering people, people working for me are making more money than they ever have. So they're growing in their careers. I'm painting a picture on where I'm going, right? That That's the main thing is I'm telling everybody I work with where I'm going. And I'm very, very honest with it. If I'm doing something that that I thought was a great idea, that's not a bad idea, I'm also honest with them at, that same, at the same time. So what it came down to is I realized 
that for me to get to where I want to go, I have to empower everybody around me and they got to be more successful. And I can't be the smartest guy in the room. Mm -hmm. I surround myself with people that are way more smarter than me and I don't have all the answers, but I put myself in that position so everybody can grow at the same time. Um, I'm in business in multiple different categories with rental properties, with fix and holding, with, with you know, raising capital for our company, with you know, to building our development. And, and the, how I'm doing that is simply just because I'm painting a picture for people mm-hmm. to follow. So I can't pinpoint and say one specific reason on why I'm at, how I got to where I'm at. I think it comes down to me being an originator and then me just being internally knowing that I you know, grow off of other people's success. Sure. That's what really, really, really makes me flourish is when I see other people being successful. It sounds like too, and I've heard other people talk about where if, if they're growing, there's typically a mentor or a coach or someone that they're accountable to and they're kind of following them. And at the same time, they have people that are behind them following you up. Exactly. So it sounds like you've always had maybe a mentor or someone that you looked up to that was maybe several steps or several years ahead of you. And you were pulling them, you, you were pulling up with them. And at the same time, there were other people kind of riding your coattails, if you will, pulling them up at the same time. And I find a lot of people that are really successful seem to be always in the middle. Absolutely. Like they're in the Oreo where the, you know, there, there's someone at the top. I want to follow that guy. And oh, by the way, they're becoming a leader. They're creating an audience. They're creating engagement with people that are not quite at their level, pulling them up along the way. Yeah. You surround yourself with people who really want to become, you know what I mean? So I remember... Was again back to I was I was a new originator, but I found out who was a top director and who was a top banker at that company, and I did my best to become friends with them because I knew there's a wealth of knowledge that I would learn from them, and that even though I might be that annoying you know new guy around town, but I created value for them first, right, and then I learned from them. So I always was trying to surround my you know surround myself with people that I want to be become, you know, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of how I've always. You know, put yourself in a position to be successful. Perfect. So to that point about building teams mm-hmm. and helping other people level up, uh, what are some characteristics that you've seen in successful teams? Like what are some things that you're trying to instill in our group, mm-hmm. uh, our, our business development guys? What are some things that you tried to instill at the Quicken? Is it software? Is it organization? Is it working on certain things at certain times? Uh, is it scripts and sales scripts? What are some of the elements of a successful salesperson, if you will? It doesn't matter if it's selling cars, doing mortgages, whether it's you're a realtor, a real estate investor. What are some of those characteristics of the individual and then also of the team as a grader? So I think one, it, it starts with a goal. You got to have a goal, right? But everybody wants goals. Everybody has goals. But it's how are you going to get to that goal and what systems and processes are going to be in play to support that goal, right? If I you know, woke up tomorrow and said, hey, I want to go buy 5,000 apartments. That's a great goal. But how am I going to do that? When am I going to do it? What's it going to look like? But more importantly, what are the challenges? Let's attack those challenges first and not be distracted, the term you say all the time, by shiny bright objects, right? Mm-hmm. You really got to pinpoint what the flaws are first. And then really successful teams and companies come from empowering people. And what I mean by that is we don't know what the people we work with can actually do or what they're capable of until we allow them to do it, right? And then if they need guidance or help, but if everybody has, if you set a clear direction on what you, where you're going, you'll be surprised how many people can do stuff that you never thought they could really do. Yeah. And, and, um, 
that was once I learned that where I'm like, oh, there's no way this guy will be able to do that. But I'm like, yeah, let me empower him and do it. And he does it 10 times better than me. That's building a team. Right. And that and then you realize when everybody has ownership, you feel like you have a you're, you have a purpose. You have, you, you're owning something that's valuable and you're creating value. People will never leave you. And then people will always step up. So once people have value and you show that you're you're empowering them to do it and you're setting the right processes in play and it's working and then also asking for help you you could be the leader of a company right but you also want to be able to lean on your guys and say hey i don't know how to do this i need help i do that all the time here yeah you know all the time i can build a business i can help build a business but i'm not going to know you know how our, our clients are going to make our payments, you know, like that granular stuff, just like yeah. how you lean on me to make a loan, but hopefully they pay for it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Department, right. You know, so there's this understanding that you can't do it all and, and you need assistance and every employee that you have working for you is important. No one's more important than anybody because if this person doesn't do their job, then we can't get this person to do their job, you right. know? So it's about empowering and, and letting people take ownership. Yeah. Conversely. So you've probably seen a lot of people fail. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Quicken has a fair amount of turnover. Being a realtor has a fair amount of turnover. There's people who've bought, I mean, we've had, we have tens of thousands of customers through Strategic Real Estate Coach. And a lot of them have bought our products, been through our coaching programs, and never done a deal. Because they just, whether it's fear, whether it's motivation, whatever it is, they just never get out of their own way. Um, so what do you think, conversely, are some of the characteristics of the people that you've seen that you thought had a lot of potential, that you thought could be good at sales or good at mortgage banking or good at real estate that, that it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're never going to be successful until you fail more than you've been successful. Like I've known that. And, and it wasn't all, you know, rainbows and, and butterflies at QL. Like I've made more mistakes than anybody yeah. there. And, and I've had a lot of conversations and there's been a lot of accountability conversations, but it's developed who I am today. And so when it comes down to that, you can't be afraid to fail. You can't be afraid to take initiative, which is why I love empowering people because I know they're going to fail. And sometimes that mess might be way too big of a mess for me to clean up, but I still empower them and I'm going to take ownership because I told them to do what they think is going to do. So when it comes down to it, it's just you got to be okay with failing and you got to know that you're going to be you're going to fail way more than you're going to be successful. But as long as you have that common denominator, which is I'm going to do whatever I can to get myself out of this or I'm going to do whatever I can to be successful, then failure is just a byproduct of being successful. Yeah. Failure is just at the end of the day, it's quitting. And if you just keep moving, even if you're failing, Mm -hmm. you never quit and you never fail. Right. Quitting and failure goes hand in hand. And if you just, even if you've had a setback, right. you can learn a lot from setbacks. And the only way that setbacks becomes a loss or a losing situation is if it allows you to get out of the game entirely. And, and ownership to it, right? Yeah. And if you mess up or you, you did something to work out, owning it. And what I mean by owning it is actually physically saying, that's my bad. I messed up. Because then internally you're saying, all right, I got it out. Then you just pivot and you move on, right? right. But if you just say, oh, you know, I, I didn't do that or if someone would have done that, that's just neglecting and deflecting and, and it can't happen. Yeah. In, uh, in Ray Dalio's book, I don't know if you've read it yet, Principles, it's an amazing book, right? He's one of the most successful hedge fund managers ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked with Tony Robbins and he's been on a ton of podcasts that I listen to. Amazing book. But his, his main principle that I thought really resonated with me was um, – and he almost got wiped out like 20 times. Mm-hmm. And he always thought like, I want to take enough risk. I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to do it. But I've got to do it to the point where I just have to keep my head above water where I don't get wiped out. I'm always in the game. Mm-hmm. 
as long as I don't get completely wiped out. Even if I'm down to my last dollar, at least I've got a dollar left. I can relate to that so much. Yeah, because how many times you think like, man, things are going good, things are going good, things are going good. Oh, shit, things are going backwards. Right. But I'm not out of the game. Then it's like, oh, things are going good. I'm building a new team or I'm building a new business. Oh, shit, here, new problem. Mm-hmm. You almost get knocked out of the game. So as long as you don't get knocked out of the game, you can always get back in, rebuild, I mean, that's, we've done that. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I've never had a boss and I've almost gotten wiped out about seven times. Right. And the reason why you didn't get wiped out is because you just didn't let yourself be wiped out. And that's, that's a great point. So like when it comes to failing, failing is like a giving up, right? But when you say keep your head above the water, that means because you know that you're, if you got knocked down, you're still going to push yourself, right? You're going to get yourself out of that. That's the difference, right? And when you say like you've been down to your last dollar, like I, I can relate to that because my biggest pivotal time, I think in my, when I owning my own business and, you know, we have a couple million dollars right now that we're, we're always, you know, and I would say holdings, you know, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. But one time I could really look back and really hit diversity is um, I had a bunch of flips going on at one time and they're all going smooth. And um, the guys that I was empowering to grow with me, I empowered them so much that I empowered them to start their own businesses, right? Sure. So I was like, oh gosh. And I spent, I, I remember like talking to my girlfriend after the fact, being like, you know, I had $10 to my name. I had a bunch of money out in real estate, like $10 down into my bank account. Like I was like, yeah, freaking out. Pretty illiquid. Yeah. Then the next 30 to 45 days was the most money I think I've ever made in my entire life. Um, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And it, in the back of my mind, I knew it's going to be okay. But I knew I had to risk it all to get to where I wanted to go because I wasn't necessarily risking it all because I'm still betting on myself and sure. I'll bet on myself 100% of the time. Yeah. You know, so when you say like you're down to last hour, you, you risked it, like I've been there and it feels so good to go down and then rip right back yeah. up because now you can take that hit going down so much better. My newest and most powerful real estate investing book, The Flip System, is now available. And for a limited time, you can grab your free copy at getflipsystem.com forward slash podcast. Using the same proven principles, secrets, and investing strategies I'm sharing in this book, I've been able to personally close over 750 highly profitable real estate deals over the last 15 years, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over $30 million of private money, and acquire over 2,000 units of apartments. Get my newest book now for free for a limited time at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. That's getflipsystem.com slash podcast. One of the exercises that I regularly do, so I journal almost every morning. I get up, first thing I do is coffee and start writing because as an entrepreneur with multiple businesses and properties and apartments and lending and private equity and all this different stuff, it's nearly impossible to just get up and get to work unless you've got some sort of organization, not of my job, not of other people, but of what's in my brain, mm-hmm. right? So a regular exercise that I have is to get up, like all my all my dreams are about work, mm-hmm. good, bad, like nightmares, good things, roses and rainbows. And it, it's almost always about work because it's never out of my mind. And when I wake up and get down and start journaling and writing, it's just all that's in my brain, this big glob of crud 
is now out. And I'm like, okay, I've gotten it organized. I've basically almost like had a conversation with myself by writing it out to the point where I'm like, now I know what's going on. I know if this deal is going to go on, if this deal's good or that deal's good or what I've got to raise money for this deal or what I've got to optimize it at the lending office or whatever. And now I feel so free. I immediately get into the gym, work out, and then I'm just off and running with, with the day. So are there any habits that you have, whether it's evenings or mornings or working out or what are some some habits outside of just working hard that you think have really allowed you to have some success so i do this a summer thing but instead of the morning i do it at night in the middle of the night i have this notebook that i've had for about three years now and i don't i i keep the same one and i write very small and i keep the same pages because i want to keep it for a long time and before i go to bed anything that's on my mind i write it because if i don't i'm the type of guy where i just won't sleep you know my brain just doesn't stop it just keeps going and i'll wake up in the middle of the night and some of the best ideas i ever had or something that instilled a lot of confidence in me was i wake up out of mid-sleep and i have an idea and i write it down in the notebook and i wake up in the morning completely forget about it right but that next that next night i go to sleep i open it up like oh my gosh that was a great idea i remember writing that down yeah i've developed this habit over time um two i put myself in positions sometimes to just completely deflect and where I can just forget about stuff. I call it going to my happy place, right? And I do that about probably twice a week. And everybody has their own happy place, right? My happy place just happens to be by the water, right? On a boat sure. by the water. And if you don't have a boat and you love water, just going to walk by, the, you know, walking down the beach or um, sometimes I literally even pull up my computer at night and just play like mute, like ocean sounds and just look at it. And I don't know what it is, but I love water. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and that's something just that projecting I... projecting yourself to be there. Right. And when you said you have like a lot of these thoughts that go in your mind, I'm a guy that has to write stuff down because if I don't write it down, even though it might only be two thoughts, those two thoughts will swarm my mind all day where it makes it might, made me seem like you're thinking about a million things, but it's really only two things. Yeah, like paranoia. I get yeah. that sometime in my head. I'm like, it's in there. I've got to get it out. The only way to get it out is to write it down. Then it's exactly. there. Then you're fine. It's there. And I'm also sometimes afraid to lose a great idea because mm-hmm. our great, greatest ideas are typically when we're doing something outside of work, right. right? It's usually when you're either sleeping, taking a shower, hanging out with friends, right. just kind of in your day, kind of in your thing, mm-hmm. whether it's on the boat, by the beach, just going for a walk, going for a jog. For me, it's in the gym. I get mm-hmm. amazing ideas when I'm in the gym. So I've got to have some way to capture that because yeah. if you're an idea guy or just you have a lot of ideas floating around, it's, it's got to come out. So you've got to have a system for that, whether it's you're, you know just taking notes in your phone and then just looking back at it or writing it down. Right. Capture it. A lot of our best ideas come at the most inopportune times. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many ideas I get when I'm with my family at Disney and that I don't have like the capacity right. to stop and go right down. I don't forget this. I, my, I'm just having fun, right? When you're having fun, like the fun, the joy of the movement, the physical movement, hanging out with my wife and kids. And all of a sudden, like then a work idea pops in. I'm like, oh my God, Lisa, I had a great idea. Right. Got to write it down. So so awesome, man. So tell her, look, as we kind of wrap up here and, and uh, a couple more questions. So just tell us what you think your future looks like what you know you're you're into late 20s mm-hmm. um just forecast yourself through the end of your 30s right okay what do you what do you what do you think the next 10 years holds for you you've gotten eight years kind of under your belt have a lot of success you've had a lot of impact on a lot of people at a very young age mm-hmm. um and you're just really scratching the surface still just yeah. just getting going yeah so um, I know where I'm, where I'm going to go, you know, and, and where my vision is. And uh, what is that? What do you yeah. mean? So 
Where I see myself in 10 years is um, I'll be 39 by that time. Hopefully we're playing golf, you know, daily at that time. Yeah. But no, um, my vision has always been, it's been pretty clear is that I, w I want to build a lending company and, and just a full service real estate company. When you think of Mc or when you think of a hamburger, you think of McDonald's, right? When you think of a house or real estate or lending, I want it to be free lend ventures, right? That's just what it is. So, or, or whatever, you know, the names may change, but yeah. in 10 years, I picture myself sitting back and providing so many job opportunities for so many people. Everybody I know, I want to have some kind of position where, where they're going to be taken care of. Um, and, and just really impacting communities and, and cities and stuff like that, which um, I've already you know, started impacting certain areas in West Side of Cleveland where I've completely changed streets that were not the best of streets that didn't even have you know, didn't even have um, street lights on them. But after I impacted and I bought a bunch of houses, renovated it, now the streets have street lights on them and, yeah. and people are living there and it's now becoming a great community. So I don't plan on stopping that. I plan on doing that more globally though, you know, not just in Cleveland. I plan on doing that everywhere. And then um, again, just running a full service, multi-million dollar real estate company is, is what I want to do. Awesome. You know, and, and it takes a unique person that wants to do that. You know, some people are like, I want to be, you know, I want to be on the, on a beach the rest of my life and not, and make, you know, selling coconuts. Like, no, like I love real estate yeah. and I realize I'm obsessed with it when I was doing lending and I'm working 12 to 15 hours a day and then I'm going home from nine to one o'clock in the morning and I'm doing real estate. You got to be kind of a little crazy to do yeah, something like sure, that, you know, sure. and that's where I think it came from is, um, work's not work when you love what you're doing. You know, mm -hmm. and and I'm just going to follow what I love doing. And at the same time, I'm going to be successful and make other people successful around me. And we're all going to be, you know, successful that way. Yeah. And there's going to be challenges and stuff like that. And I'm going to learn a lot as I go. But it comes down to my end all be all is to, to be known as the real estate company in the industry. Fantastic. Yeah. And we have a, a unique team and a unique uh, opportunity because because we're a lender, we've got the debt side of the business mm -hmm. taken care of. Because we manage 30, actually $30 million now, and we've got $4.1 million that we think right. we can go get by the end of this quarter. Mm -hmm. So that puts us close to $35 million of capital under management. The only last piece, the third leg of the stool, is finding deal flow. Right. And like right now, we're kind of slow rolling that. Right. We're, we're buying some big apartment deals, and we've got mm -hmm. fix and flips and different things going on. But that's the last piece. And when, once we tag that on, it's, it's game over. Game over. It's game over. Game it, over. It definitely is. And, and I know that. And that's, uh, you know, again, why I decided to, you know, come on board and, and join the fund because you got everybody between these doors and, and everybody that's doing it for the same reasons. We all love what we do. Yeah. And it's not a job when you do that. Yeah. You know? So last question. So um, what kind of advice would you like to pass along to our audience? We've got thousands and thousands of people that listen to this every week. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that follow us. Uh, what advice would you give to them or what advice would you give to your younger, although you are young already, younger former self, things that you thought you did well that you would like to continue to do or things that you wish you would have done differently? Um, what's just some advice that you'd like to pass along? So I've been told multiple times in my life that you're not going to, that's not going to work. It's not going to be successful. So, you know, respectfully, you know, I've taken all the best advice that I've ever taken from somebody and just going and doing the complete opposite. That's literally what I've done. Nice. So if 
you can ask for advice from people and they'll give it to you. But in the end, do what you want to do. And don't let anybody control what you're going to do because if you're going to fail, then you're going to fail and there's still an opportunity to learn from that. So in the end, just figure out what you really love to do. And, and you could probably sit down for weeks, even months to try to figure out what you love and you might have a hard time figuring that out. It's going to come at the most random point in your life where you find something that you love to do. Mm-hmm. Like when I bought that house, you know, it was a disaster of a situation. But if I didn't buy that house, I wouldn't have been in the situation I am today. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, do what you like to do and, and be open minded and always have the best interest of everyone else around you. And that, that's probably the best advice I, I can you know, give. You know, my advice I can tell somebody to do doesn't mean it's going to be the best advice for them. Because me, quite frankly, the best advice that I received, I did the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, guys, there you have it. Another episode of Accelerated Investor. Whether you've joined us on YouTube, whether you've seen this on Facebook, uh, whether you've seen this in iTunes, on our website, or somewhere else, just want to thank you for sharing I want to thank you for uh, putting this out to the world, sharing it on your social media platforms. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Let us know how we did. If you've got questions for Tyler, uh, definitely leave those right on whatever page you find this. Uh, Tyler, if any of our audience wants to touch base with you, wants to connect with you uh, on Facebook or Instagram or wants to inquire about uh, getting a loan from us, getting funded or about a real estate deal, uh, what are some different ways that they can connect with you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm just tbrum23. Um, I'm not much on Instagram a little bit, but if you, you can find me on there. Um, my email is tbrummett at freelandventures.com. And uh, that's probably the two two best points to kind of get a hold of me on. Yeah. And then I'm on Facebook, you know, on Facebook as well. And uh, not on Twitter, but obviously those are probably the best. Yeah, yeah. I'll visit our website, freelandlending.com. Call the office, 855-477-8855. And, uh, you know, Tyler and his business development guys are going to work with you, get you funded. Um, lots of different types of loan products, fix and flip, fix and keep, small balance commercial, big commercial, uh, apartments, multifamily, you name it. It's all going to go through and across Tyler's desk. Thanks a lot for joining me, my friend. All right, thanks, Josh. Appreciate you taking the time. All right, you got it. You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities to start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com.